Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Florida State League Radio Network. We are live. It is time, boys. It is that time. We got the boys. We got the boys. They are back. We got Mr. Tommy Mateg at the bottom. Mr. Virgil Vasquez to my left. Boys, the boys are back in town. That is right. Boys, it's good to see you guys again. Happy to have you guys back on the show as always. And I uh, got a special interview today. We got Mr. Andrew Church coming on the show. We'll get him on in a couple of minutes. Uh, but there's a lot to talk about in the baseball world. Uh, a lot of uh, sadness right now going on. And this will actually kind of go into our interview and what we'll talk about in a little bit with Andrew Church. Uh, the MLB just announced recently that they are releasing, or at least MLB teams will be releasing, 1,000 players and possibly more. Um, I mean, this is going to be collectively. Obviously, some teams have said that they will not be releasing teams. Some teams, as like the Twins, for example. Obviously, if you guys don't know already, Virgil, Twins uh, minor league pitching coach. So that's definitely a good sign for him for the future and uh it's just disappointing man just to see all these names come up to see them you know lose their job i mean it's disappointing especially at a time right now where some of those guys aren't getting paid at all it is just super disappointing in my opinion and a very sad time for baseball fans all around and uh well you take the first one verge yeah i should have should have said yeah you know it's uh it's a tough it's a tough place to you guys got me yeah it's a tough place to uh to be as a player you know um like we talked about in previous uh pod or previous shows you know do how when do i get ready what's the date how do i get ready because it's always used to be always getting ready for a time and now there's this going on there's this unsurety but when you're in the game as a player you always have this feeling like you got to play like every day is your last day because you don't really know what's going to happen. You don't really, you know, and as long as you're giving your best, you know, it's a tough place to be in, you know, especially with what's going on. Um, you know, you just, you know, grateful for teams like the twins that are taking care of their players, you know, players feel when that happens, the feeling on the player side is that their, their owner, the boss, or, or, you know, the organization cares about them and the work they're putting in, in this time so that they are, you know, they can work more, they can put the skill, the time, the developing the skills, and those other teams, you know, it's just tough. It's a tough situation. I don't know the finances. I don't know that thing. But, you know, there's there's so much going on in the game and in the world right now. It's like it's like heavy on the heart for me. Yeah, it's definitely been a, a weird week. And obviously, minor league baseball players getting cut is probably at the bottom of the totem pole. The <laughs> level of emotional gratitude that we've seen, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, but it's not to put light on the situation that up to possibly a thousand people just lost their jobs. And it's a real tough situation to be in. Mm -hmm. And like uh, Dylan said, it could be more because this isn't taking into account the likely 40 teams that are going to get cut at the end of this quote unquote season. That's not happening. So the winner of the contract up uh, ends between MILB and MLB approximately 40 teams are going to get cut. That's the assumption. Mm -hmm. This doesn't take those players into account. And so we don't even know the exact number of people who are losing their jobs this year. And 
this pandemic is really creating a huge toll emotionally, financially, and just all of the above on, as you see now, everybody, including people in the sports world. Yeah, I'm on MLB trade rumors right now, and they go through like the National League, the Giants 20, Diamondbacks 62, uh, Rockies 15, uh, Braves 30, Mets 39, Phillies uh, just one right now, Brewers 30, Cubs 28, Reds, Nationals, and Cards uh, released, but no numbers, Pirates, no numbers. Rays 20, Mariners 50, Astros 17, Orioles 37, White Sox 25, Red Sox 22. Twins and Royals, nobody. Um, Athletics, uh, just suspended pay, and then 29 by the Blue Jays. So it's a lot of people, a lot of people. You know, there's this feeling as a player like – Yeah, what's your take on that? What? the athletics completely stopped. They're the only franchise that's announced we're not going to be paying our minor leaguers anymore. Everybody else is at least going to do it till the end of June. Mm-hmm. And these guys are saying, nope, tomorrow we're done. Bye. Yeah, it's tough. the 31st, man. I know, you know, is it what's better to not have paid and, and have an organization to go back to or to get released and then have the opportunity to maybe go somewhere else. But, you know, who knows if we have a minor league season. You know, it would be tough to get a call. You know, I think uh, some of the coaches in the organization are in the same boat. You know, I, I don't think everyone's getting paid the whole time. You know, the, I know the Angels are, are doing some things. So uh, I'm only informed of what's what we're reading. You know, I think we all have the same information here. But, you know, as a on the personal side, like when you're the player, it's like, like oh, man, I got to make it work. And, you know, I think some will make it work. Some will complain. And, and then some will, you know, it's going to really hurt their life. Yeah, it's it's tough. It really is. It's tough to see. And just I mean, just knowing like I have guys who I still talk to to this day, friends, you know, who are signed by minor league teams and they might lose their job throughout all this. It's just it's devastating. When I saw it, I I almost like cried for them. Like it it was I I know I'm like a a, I know I'm a kind of a grown adult, but it's sad. It really is because it's something that, you know, you you get to know these guys and you get to really as a media person, you get to know these guys and get to know their story and their life and you get to become friends with them and get to talk to them and just, you know, really just get to be, you know, outside of baseball really with them. And it's disappointing to see them lose their jobs. And I really hope and pray for all these guys who did lose their jobs throughout this entire week, um, this release. And I mean, obviously they've made making releases the last couple of months. I guess that's what they said on online on the baseball America. They said they've been making releases since March, but not as big as this. Like this is like, once I saw the numbers and I started seeing the list of amount of players, I mean, for example, the bat right here, you'll see it on my left or right or whatever I'm looking at. Um, uh, Alex King just got released from the D backs. He literally announced on Instagram the same time he got released that he got released that he's retired from baseball. I mean, a lot of guys now are going retiring and stuff. It's dev- It's really devastating. It's really sad to see. And I'm praying for these guys, man. It's, it's a tough, tough time right now for major league baseball and minor league baseball. And I doubt there'll be a season. I really doubt it. I, I don't see how there could be a season this year. Mm-hmm. If like there's any players listening, like I said, we all we're all gonna get released. Well, most of us. I got released, and the first time you get released, you know, there's this feeling of like, whoa! Like I thought I was gonna be in the game forever. Like for me, it was just trying to hold on, hold on, hold on. And I remember going to my car and packing it up, and I was about to drive home, and I was like, dang, I'm still alive! Like something in me was like about to die. 
but there was a gift in the release. There was like, okay, now I get to choose if I want to play. Cause before it was like, okay, you go to high school, then you go to college, then you go to pro ball, and then you get the big leagues and you go each level. And it was always like next, 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 next. And then after that, I got to choose. And then having this choice allowed more freedom in my play and allowed more freedom on my play, allowed my play to be better. So there, there can be some like growth, internal growth in, in, in these things. And, you know, if some, if anybody's listening, I don't know, you know, maybe kind of look for that. I know it's a hard time financially, um, but if you can look for that and, um, there's some, there is, there is something inside of us that can really, that I benefited anyways from the release that made my game better. Yeah. And to kind of like piggyback sort of on what you're saying, the tragic part of these players getting released isn't necessarily the financial end. Cause I mean, we talked about this before the average salary of a minor league baseball player is like 1200 a year. Like it's something absurdly low. It's mm -hmm. the idea that, what they're been what they're working towards which is to make the big leagues at this moment is cut short now mm -hmm. like you said whether what you do with this current situation is up to you but i want people who aren't necessarily baseball players who don't really understand who might not understand what's going on just have that like aspect of it that perspective that mm -hmm. it's not just the money it's the dream of making it to the show and this whole situation is basically a roadblock to that at the moment mm -hmm. yeah it's sad man it really is it's tough to see and mm -hmm. again hopefully these guys are able to find their way back to the minors i think a lot of these guys will find their way once we get back to hopefully some normalcy and once everyone starts getting paid and I, i'm shocked that some of these bigger market teams like a boston like these other are releasing that many players i mean they're there are some big market teams that are releasing more players than some of the small market teams are i'm actually kind of surprised by that that the, some of those big market teams who have a lot of money, who can pay, I understand they pay a lot of the bigger top names more money and such, so that's part of the reason why they may not be able to afford some of the lower-end guys, some of the minor league guys. But uh, I'm, I'm surprised that you know they released so many guys. That's, a, that's what I was surprised about when I saw the list. And again, it's just it's a sad time right now for baseball. Hopefully everything gets back to normal. I really do hope some of these teams at least can survive and – but, I mean, obviously we're going to see a lot of teams who get cut next year, and it's, again, an unfortunate thing. And not only that, we're going to see a lot of the regular worker jobs, entry worker jobs. I mean, there's a lot of lives that are going to be affected by this entire uh, pandemic and how it's affecting minor league baseball. It's a really unfortunate thing to see. So, And then speaking of release, obviously recently a, a guy by the name of Andrew Church just recently got released. But we actually have him on the show today. Uh, former Met, and we're going to actually get to interview him here today's episode. That's the second half of today's episode is with Andrew Church, so I'm going to be admitting him into our uh, group, and we'll be in introducing each other. Andrew, can you hear us there okay? Hey, how's it going, everyone? Hello, Andrew. How are Sorry, you? Hi, Andrew. Good. How are you guys? Doing good, man. Doing good. Uh, I'll introduce you to our, our crew here. We got Virgil Vasquez to the left, former major league uh, pitcher and minor league pitching coach now. We got Mr. Tommy Mateg at the bottom, and my name is Dylan, who you've been talking to on Instagram as of late, uh, getting to <laughs> set this up. But um, Andrew, thanks for jumping on. Nice to meet you all. Hey, thanks for jumping on, man. Happy to have you on the show today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Or I guess today in your area, not mine, but. You're on the West Coast, so. Yeah, yeah, today, nighttime probably over yeah, there. Yeah, it's, it's a bit late. It's like 9.30, so. <laughs> but uh, who, who wants to start out by asking a question to Andrew? Tommy, you want to begin? 
Yeah, why not? So uh, I, I know you returned in 2019 from retirement. So what was your motivation to returning and what, how'd you get back into game shape and ready to pitch on the mound after so, coming off? Um, first of all, the, the reasoning was, I mean, I, I want to play baseball for the rest of my life. I was never, my intention was never to, you know, be done forever. So I was staying in shape the whole entire time. I was throwing, I was doing pitching lessons. I was throwing off the mound. I was long tossing. I was working out. So when it was time, um, I wasn't, I wasn't throwing like live, but touch and field bullpen and stuff like that. So when, what made me want to come back is I had dealt with a player development regime that I was at my wit's end with. And instead of, you know what I mean, trying to get released, because I had asked respectfully, I was told no. Instead of trying to get released, I just wanted to step away, clear my head, and then maybe give it some time and ask for my release after I had been retired. What, what happened was they fired everyone. We had a new GM. We had a new head of player development. We had, I mean, staff from top to bottom. Many people were, were brand new. So I'm very optimistic, and I'm, I know there's a lot of great baseball people out there in the world. And going back, I'm like, okay, this hopefully this, the game's evolving to uh, respecting the players a little more. So it was, hey, let's let's see how it goes. And they still have my contract. They still had my contract rights for two more years. It was like, you know, if I'm coming back with anybody, it has to be them. So let's see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, really good. Um, so you're with the Mets. Uh, you come back. Um... I was saying, what was the question? Yeah. You're like, did you win? Are you cut? I'm cutting out. Yeah, you cut out Can you hear me now? Yeah, you're I good. got you back. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Uh, you know, how was the season? Was it, you got to come back? How were the Mets? Did you, uh, you know, did you get along so, with the new regime? The people I dealt with personally, the new head of player development, uh, the, there was a lot of good people I really enjoyed. And I think that they're doing things right. I think that they are trying to treat players respectfully. I think that they're trying to push out um, some of the bad seeds. The problem became, I noticed that a lot of people are still there that are, you know what I mean, that are higher up, that are making calls on what the coaches need to be doing and, and in turn what the players need to be doing. And the culture of it, you have, I mean, you have people bad-mouthing. You have people trying to teach you something while they're bad-mouthing it. And as a player, to trust in an organization and in a system, this is what is right. And in that same sentence, this person is bad-mouthing it, but it's like, you, gotta, you better do it when the coordinators are in town. You lose respect for a lot of different people. Like there's there's no reason players need to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And that's when I first noticed it going sour. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. obviously this would obviously with everything going on this week, we kind of touched base on this us three uh, before you jumped on. We were talking about it. Obviously, it's probably one of the biggest topics to talk about in baseball right now, with everything going <laughs> on, all the minor league releases and stuff. Obviously, Andrew, unfortunately, you were one of the guys who were released by the Mets. 
give me one second. Hold on, I got to read this here. Like, <laughs> sorry, no but, worries. Um, you know, how does being released? How does that affect you and your training now as a player? Obviously, you're not with a team, so you can't train at those facilities. You can't train down in Port St. Lucie. How does that affect your training now? Now that you're released, you're not with a team now, and you don't really have those great facilities that you could work with. And is there any thought of, you know, maybe possibly leaving the game again and possibly going to do other business ventures, maybe doing stuff off the field and stuff and just kind of clear your head after this, whatever, you know, after everything that happened with you and the Mets? So, I mean, thank you for for feeling for me. But quite honestly, I this is I've wanted to be released by this team. They've had my contract right. Mm -hmm. And there's not much you can do with that scenario. So I I. I didn't have to do anything drastic to get released. And, and I've seen that happen from players where they're trying to get released and they make themselves look terrible to get released. So I, I was fully expecting it. And I was, I, when, when the financial scenario of the negotiations come out on saying, you start realizing, Hey, these guys need money for their star players. Like, you know, I got one, I got half a year left on my, or I got one year left on my contract. Mm -hmm. I, they're, I'm going to be a guy cut, definitely. And I was excited for it. For training and stuff, I wasn't down there. I, I had talked to my head of player development. And like I said, this guy is, we, we built a rapport and I very much value him as a baseball person. He uh, gave me, I had Tommy John surgery in July. He gave me an opportunity to do my rehab until I'm ready to be back in the game at home with my family. I have two kids at home. Um, I wasn't going to be pitching for a long time, uh, recovering from surgery. So it, it doesn't affect my training. My training, I, I, a couple of years ago, I took under my wing because I really, they, they try to preach that this is the way to do it their way. And in reality, and what I'm trying to get everyone to understand by, by spreading the message is that these players need to take careers into their own hands mm -hmm. and really understand what, what needs to be done for themselves, for their best interest. Because I don't think that maybe different orgs are different. Are, uh, different. I have never played for another organization, but it's different. But there are situations that your best, uh, the best thing for you is not what they're going to do for you. That's kind of interesting because Virgil was talking about that right before you hopped on. Uh, the first time he got released, he was kind of shell-shocked, but then he realized I can do whatever I want now. Like, I have the freedom to choose what happens to my mm -hmm. life. And it sounds like you have a very similar mentality. Have you always been like that? Or is it just the wear and tear of the specific organization that you're with that you're like, oh, I can finally breathe. Yeah, I've been like, I've been like that for quite a while. I have not, I definitely haven't always been like that. I was a kid. I had no guidance in baseball. I had a little bit, but it wasn't the best guidance. You know what I mean? My agent, it, I would just, everyone was saying, wow, this is a great opportunity. I was raised by my mom who doesn't understand baseball, a business of baseball at all. So as an 18 year old kid and these people, I lived on my own my, until, since I was 16. And these professional organizations are coming into my apartment and saying, this is what you'll be. You're going to be this. You're going to be this. Just like, what are you going to sign for? Because this is, we, we want you slotted in. We're going to draft you. And they're telling you that you have no questions for them at all. I'm like, I've worked at this my whole life. I've loved baseball my entire life. And for me to sit there as a kid seeing this, I'm like, okay, what do I have to do? Tell me. 
And when you, you sign the contract first before you get there and they say, yeah, we're an organization that doesn't long toss or we're an organization that doesn't believe in this. And I'm a kid that long tossed my whole, since I was 14, when I got drafted, I long tossed like almost every single day of my life. And to take that away and strip a player from his identity right away, I think that's something that needs to be talked about in that meeting in my house before that, before I sign a contract. You got so you got in with the Mets, and then you got in there, and they changed your whole routine. Exactly, that's exactly what happened. Hmm. Yeah, so that's when I started realizing I need to I need to take. I mean, you don't learn after I didn't learn after my, my first lesson. You know what I mean? But growing over the years throughout this organization, you, you in what I preach to everyone that comes in, like take your career serious and take it for what's best for you. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a good quote. I like that. And um, thank you. And yeah, it's yeah, definitely changing up your the way you play the game and stuff. That definitely plays a big effect in how you play on the field. And if they start messing up with it, it just it could it could it, sometimes it helps a player. And I mean, you know, that's it. Just depends on how the player is and how how they train and how they prepare for game. It, it just depends really on the player, obviously. But uh, yeah, that definitely, definitely. that stinks, man. Um, and let, let's get into my next. Let's get into our next question here. And it's gonna be about your playing career and stuff. And looking over your stats, I, I I noticed something. You were very effective when you had runners on base compared to maybe when you had runners not on base when their bases were empty. You know. Do you think being under that pressure and, you know, having people on base and being in those situations, do you think that helped you get out of jams more and kind of made you more effective when you had runners on base compared to say when you were, you know, no runners on base and you were kind of, you know, you didn't really have much to worry about when you were out on the field. You didn't have to get out of that big situation. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I think Virgil would be able to know what I'm talking about here. I am a competitor a competitor completely if there's not stakes on the line or i'm not into it i my mind wanders but in the moment when hey this is me against this man and i need to win because this is what i what i want to do you know what i mean there's runners on whatever the situation is that's when i've always my whole entire life performed the best so yeah that's i i love that you brought that up thank you Oh, it's my pleasure, man. Yeah, I saw that, and I thought that was an interesting statistic. I was like, you, you seemed more <laughs> like you were when you were in the pressure situations, which I think is good to have a, as a player. You know, that's Definitely. you know, there's so many big moments in your baseball career. You know, maybe whether it's pitching in the World Series, Game Seven. You know, you're down by or you, you're up by one, and you need that big final out. So there's a lot of big situations in baseball, and I think playing mm-hmm. under the pressure is definitely a big key to have in your game. So that's definitely a something that's a, a really key factor sure. and, a, and that's really in anybody's game pitcher hitter whatever it may be because obviously you can have big key moments as a hitter as well so that's definitely a, a good thing to have again as you're in your repertoire to have that be calm under pressure okay. and be able to perform really well under pressure as well so thank you that is one of the reasons i made it to professional baseball is because of that i i i mm-hmm. showed that aspect of my career so if it's almost like if you had that and then you were also supported in your routine but then guided to maybe more you know more efficient ways as you were learning um exactly that's all i ask for if you you give a competitor the resources and make them feel appreciated and respected they they'll handle it on their own i i think that it's different it's different for other guys and some people like being yelled at there's some people that enjoy that mentality 
there's some people that just need to feel appreciated because this is something that I, this is an art for me and for a lot of players. And if I don't feel like what I'm, what I've done my whole life is appreciated by the person that is benefiting from it, it's really hard to have the drive to go out there every day and perform for you. Hmm. Hmm. I really like how you put that. Yeah, I really like you put that. The person that's benefiting, but it's like, what about your teammates though, too? Did you ever play for them? Definitely. Don't get me wrong. Like, there's there's teams throughout the organization that we all still clicked and we all still played very well together. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that majority of the teams that I played for, you feel the culture just in the clubhouse every day of this we're not here to win it's a loser's mentality is what it what it feels like while you're in the in the situation everyone's complaining because you know they have to do this or and and it's not just it's not just the bad seeds of the team it's like the team culture it's the whole i i i'm sure you've been on winning teams i'm sure you've been on losing teams Mm -hmm. and the whole culture throughout that organization in my experience was nobody's trying to get better they're just trying to get by and just keep let the days go by and they think they're just going to be a big league and they're going to just win games because they're there and it's never the case you need to be you need to be grinding with everybody and you need to be striving to be better and yeah yeah, so some teams it, it it did play out like that a lot of teams it was the whole culture was like yeah this isn't fun anymore yeah yeah, it's really hard to be a big leaguer. <laughs> I, I don't it's, doubt it. Yeah, it really... like I, I've, I've put blood, sweat, and tears, and didn't come close. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, it's, it's really. I, I understand. It, yeah, it's really hard. They say like, uh, you know, the rumor, not the rumor, the saying is, you make it with your second team, because your first team you get drafted with, and like, you know, you might make it, you know, in the call ups and downs, but sometimes they have a guy in your position. But when you get traded or picked up or, or you know free agent sign like they they wanted you to fill a position so they're trading for right. you to do something so you know a lot of times that's the the comment is you, you yeah i like that too and you learn you learn a lot about the game from experiencing the professional side of baseball not and that's my main my main point of the post and getting that out there was to get people to understand that mm-hmm. and learn that before they go in because now you know the game you know what's going on and you see guys that come into the Mets organization from different orgs and they think about the game differently because they know this isn't the only way. Mm-hmm. And it was eye opening. I, you don't, you don't see guys like that in lower levels. So mm-hmm. through the lower levels, you, I didn't experience it. But once I get, once I got to double A, I was like, Oh wow. These guys are came up from another org. They play the game differently. And it's, it's still, still good. I, I it was eye opening. It was eye opening. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You said something really, really interesting. Sorry, Dylan. You're good. Uh, you said basically certain aspects of the Mets culture wasn't necessarily geared towards winning. And you kind of made headlines earlier this week with a similar quote. And you were talking about that basically specific aspect of mm-hmm. it. And, you know, you're talking about, you know, they sign players, certain players just to make money. And the media kind of ran with that. Were you expecting that? And was the direction that the media took it kind of what you were intending? Um, yeah, I wasn't trying to – I wasn't intending for them to take it in that direction. 
I was intending for it to be seen though. And and I know stories of celebrity are seen. And my goal is for every single baseball player to see this. My intention isn't to badmouth anyone. It's not it's not anyone's fault for trying to trying to be a baseball player. You know what I mean? But if you're if your organization and your manager or your, your director of pitching or whatever it is, they're preaching every day and yelling at dudes and, and making them run because they they don't have the passion. They're not trying to win and we're not playing to win. What are we doing? Like in this organization, we are about winning. I understand it's a player development system, but they they promote winning. But when their actions are different and you don't see your manager because he's in the office with, with said celebrity the whole the whole entire game leading up to the game and no one else can get work in because of it you know what I mean stuff like that no one else has access to it you don't feel like you're winning when you go to a different stadium and it's and it's announced Tim Tebow day you don't feel like you're playing as a team to win a game you think you're playing for everyone else to they're lining up with Florida Gator stuff signing you know what I mean and booing you and chanting his name you don't feel like this is a, a, a chance to win and if I understand if the fans feel like that, that's one thing, but when it's inside your organization and inside your clubhouse from people that you should be respected, uh, feel, feel respect for it, it, you got no drive after that. For me personally, I had no drive after that. And guys, I'm just going to, and I'm just going to say something real quick here. I, I completely agree. Like I honestly, I knew going into it when they signed said celebrity. I don't know if I can name drop. I don't know if I want to be that media. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's up to you. Okay. Um, I, I didn't know if that <laughs> it'll make a big hoopla or anything. But, like, I knew when they signed him, this was all going to be a big publicity thing. It, the, the entire thing. Okay, I understand. Obviously, you were saying about, you know, the Florida Gator stuff and how they signed stuff. You know, I understand, like, in St. Lucie when he was with St. Lucie because that's Florida. He's from Florida. He's He played mm-hmm. with the Gators. I can understand that. But when you're – seeing it happen in Bing Binghampton and Syracuse and like these other places where he never even came close to playing. It just makes no sense to me. And it, in my opinion, it's like, if he gets up to the majors, it's going to be more so as a publicity stunt, just to sell jerseys, just to get merchandise, just to get people in the seats and stuff. It's not going to be, I mean, you look at his statistics last year, he had a one sixty three in triple a, like the guy was not, effective last year he had one good season that he made an all-star team and he had 270 which is okay but it's not anything fantastic so i mean obviously i everyone knew going into it that this was probably going to be a publicity stone when they signed the said celebrity um but uh, yeah i completely agree with what you said there i mean it's it's uh thank you and and that's the the thing i that people didn't understand because i'm getting my wife's getting mad about all the comments on my on my social (laughs) media right now but uh, what what I'm trying to get people to understand and what, like, I'm not trying to bash Tebow. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not bashing a guy for trying to be the best at something and and trying to make himself better. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I'm bitter at an organization that is not treating us fairly because of that. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm bitter at. You know what I mean? It's not about me getting released. I don't think I got released because of him. I don't think I got any, you know what I mean? I don't think anything affected me personally. I'm a pitcher. Um, the culture maybe a little bit because there was a lot of tension in the clubhouse, stuff like that. But 
I can't blame him for that. I, I've never, I wasn't blaming him for that. I'm trying to get players to see this is the stuff that they're doing. You know what I mean? This yeah. is the stuff that this organization's doing. And people saw the outside of it and they're like, oh, well, you know, maybe he is good. They got to keep him around because he's good. But I, I've watched people sit the bench that were having tremendous years because he got called up midseason. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it it's disheartening. Yeah. Tommy, uh, Virgil, do you guys have anything to add on that? I know it's kind of a – or at least Tommy, at least. I know Virgil, <laughs> you were kind of wanting to stay out of it. But Virgil, Tommy, <laughs> Tommy. He's sitting yeah. the bench on this one. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Again, I'm not trying to bash. I know Tebow's a good guy. I know he's a – you know, he's got great, you know – He's a, again, a good guy, good-minded guy. He's a nice guy. I've heard a lot of good things about him. It's again, I'm not trying to bash him either, but uh, it's just right. If, no, I, I completely. You're right. You're. It's. I just want. It's okay to feel this way, especially when this is your passion and you feel like someone's disrespecting it. Yeah. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. That's what I want it to be known. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's get into your game more. We'll, we'll talk. We'll get past that. We'll get into now your playing career. We'll yeah, talk a bit you. about the fun stuff, about the the cool stuff, and uh, let, let's talk about. You know, you started at a very young age. You started at 18 years old, which I mean, very young. I mean, obviously, you look at guys now; they're 16 coming into the minor leagues. But uh, you started yeah. at a young age, 18 years old. You were drafted out of high school, second rounder too, which is pretty impressive as well. Yeah. Um, you know, how has the way you pitch changed from when you started when you were 18 in Gulf Coast League ball compared to now you're 23 in AAA you played, you played in AA. How has your pitching styles changed um, from, you know, the single A rookie ball level to the AAA advanced level and now obviously being older and stuff, you're kind of a veteran, I guess you would say, in the minor leagues. <laughs> in the minor leagues, I definitely am. Yeah, the my pitching has definitely evolved tremendously i i you learn a lot just being in 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 there every day everyone's talking baseball um at a high school i was a guy that threw really hard and so it was easy to just throw fastballs by people at the, at the high school level and even at, in like the scout search and stuff like that um that was only like i i i had a good breaking ball but i only had to use it against like you know what i mean advanced high school hitters mm-hmm. Um, so when I get there and you realize everyone throws 95 now, it's, and you got to learn how to, how to command all your pitches. It was, it, it's a big learning curve. So I think that I become, I have rounded out a repertoire where I throw four pitches. I can throw them all for strikes pretty consistently on all of them. Um, that, that's the biggest change. And then my mentality isn't, I'm trying to blow you away. It's like, how can I get you out? How, how, can, how can I work this at bat to get you out? And that's, that's the, the two biggest things that I've noticed. Delivery, your delivery looks really clean. Um, you know, I saw you have a four-seamer, uh, four-seamer curveball slider changeup. Uh, mm-hmm. But it looks like your slider and your curveball are pretty similar, maybe just speed difference, or do you just have one breaking ball? I have two breaking balls. I stuck to one because of that exact reason. I had a curveball and a slider that were like very, very similar with like four miles an hour difference in velocity. Mm-hmm. Um, and they started blending and both becoming mediocre instead of instead of having a very good one and an okay one. I, and so I, I got back um, 
to focusing on one, which was the curveball, because I like it more. I think it has it plays better in the way I pitch. Yeah. But when I got comfortable with that, I made my slider. So I used to throw it on the same seam. And so I, I forced myself to think about throwing it on another seam, my slider, to make it a completely different pitch. And it turned into more of a true cutter, really, like, yeah. a, like a hard, hard cut. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Um, did you ever try to pitch design with your fastball? Did you ever, you, how did you use your fastball? Uh, so I had some, like, I got, like, pretty good sync. I'm not, like, a big spin rate guy. Um, so I always pitched down in the zone and showed up, but it was hard for me because growing up, I, I was someone that was just trying to throw up and blow it away. Um, so I think honestly, like in my work right now, I'm working on a true sinker and and then using the four seam up. Uh, so my, my, my design originally was keep that down, throw my slider with it when I show up get a punch out with my curveball get a swing and miss with my curveball um now i really want to work on like utilizing my good my good sink with a with a true sinker and so it's going to be a little bit of a redesign session to to design uh stuff that plays off a sinker and a four seam yeah do you uh you have a rap soda or what are you guys using to uh we know someone that has a rap soda so whenever we can get access to it, we use it. But otherwise, <laughs> we we just use our eyes and slow mo cameras. Yeah, in in the org, was there stuff in the org? Yeah, the definitely. Org? There was there. I mean, everyone caught up. Everyone, I feel like everyone's caught up. We were pretty early on TrackMan. I mm-hmm. think we were a little behind with Rap Soto just because we we did TrackMan on every single place, and uh, I think we were like a year after everyone. Not everyone, but a lot of people on Rap Soto. But yeah, they're they're doing a pretty good job teaching teaching that it's hard to teach it. I think a lot of people don't understand it. So they're they're doing a, a very good job of getting people familiar with it in mm-hmm. in the org. Last question. I saw you pitch side saddle, like kind of already from the strip from the windup, you were kind of already side, just like a little step. Did you always do that? No. No, I did that. I had a pitching coach, uh, Billy Brick. I, I like him a lot. Uh, he was there one year. But he just really honed it in. He was like, everything else before you get to that position is just to get comfortable in that position. It's how yeah. I understood it. Yeah. And I was like, that's, that's amazing. Because I was inconsistent with where my foot was placed on the rubber. And some pitches messed up because of that. And he was like, you don't want that to happen when it's bases loaded. You got you to gotta make a perfect pitch. So that, that was the reason I did it. And the first year I did that, I loved it. I, I, I did very well with it and I, I kept it forever. Yeah. The only downside I've ever seen to that is like guys will drift more because they're not, they're not loading as much. They'll like lift mm-hmm. and drift. So you like, there's has to be this conscious effort of like, I'm lifting. Cause like you're already side saddle. So it's easy to yep. just go off the rubber. I definitely dealt with that too. I, there was, there were stretches where I, that was all I focused on was really staying strong on that, on that, on that back leg and holding. Yeah. Hold. yeah. Are you going to stay training? Yeah, definitely. I, I worked out today. I threw today. It's, I'm I'm not done playing, man. I, I, I talked to, there's plenty of people I've talked to that are, that only play winter ball. And hmm. like, if that's my only option for the rest of my life, I'll play that forever. I'll play, I'll play forever. I'll 
play in the Sunday beer league. You know what I mean? Like, I want to see how good I can be at baseball, whether I'm in the big leagues or not. Like, if I can impress myself and all the people, all my colleagues, like, I'm happy. I'm not, I'm not, I, it's not, I'm not in it for, I was definitely, but I'm not in it for the glory of, of the MLB. If that happens, I think that would be really cool. But I, that's not all I'm after anymore. Spoiler, watch out for Andrew Church at your local Dixie League uh, ball field. He'll be, he'll be playing the 12-year-olds out on the ball field. He'll be like, what's this let me, doing now here? Let me, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story of my high school uh, career. I, I transferred my senior year um, to a new high school, mm-hmm. and I got ruled ineligible because – uh, a baseball America article came came out that was saying like I moved there for for specifically to play baseball for this guy, which I really respect that coach and stuff. And I it's a violation of Nevada inter interscholastic rules. Yeah. So I'm ineligible for like a couple months. I get a call from my buddy's dad played in the big leagues, and he's like, "Hey, I got a buddy that runs a Sunday league that Canseco plays on. Jose Canseco plays on." He's like, "And because there's I was." I had a really good summer going into my senior year. And so people are calling like, hey, we need to see you in a game if you're, if this is going to be anything. So I, I, uh, I, he offers me that. And he's like, if they want games, then let's do it. And I was literally playing every Sunday at my local like 90-foot Little League field with Jose Canseco playing shortstop. Oh, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> how, how old so was, it wouldn't be the first time. How old was Canseco <laughs> at the time? <laughs> Uh, I I I don't even know was, how old he is he now. He was but probably in old, it. older. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm from Florida, so I know he played for the Rays for a bit, and now he was that was yeah. at the end of his career. So he's got a he he probably made it out a few times though. I could see he probably hit a few cars. Oh, he's got pop. A few windows. Yeah, <laughs> it's like back. He still has pop, it's like um, it's like backyard baseball, the video game backyard baseball, just playing in the backyard and stuff. <laughs> he's just hitting off of the cars and stuff. Um, Andrew, thanks for jumping on, man. You guys have any last uh, remaining questions to ask Andrew before we let him go? I'm good. Uh, no, I'm good. Maybe like uh, tell like I know you're trying to help people with their mindset and teach them some about baseball. Maybe where can people find you? And um... yeah, I uh, so my DMs are always open. I got a lot of players that reach out to me just straight through DM, send me video, ask me any questions, and that's. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to charge and make money off of that. I, I just, like I said, I, I want baseball to be something bigger than it is. Mm-hmm. And so, right now, my DMs is where, where I'm doing that. I work with a bunch of Vegas guys here, um, just throwing and I do lessons and stuff all, the, all, mm-hmm. a lot. So if you're in Vegas, that, that's the best way. Uh, if you're not my GM, you got any baseball question in the world or training or just need to hear something out. Like my DMs are always open. I'm always accepting stuff. So I might, I'm, I might have to hit you up on that. I, I'll, I actually would be interested in learning. No, I, I, no, I'm, I'm thinking about paying like club baseball when I get into college. So I might actually hook up with Do it, man. So, um, you're a broadcaster for a reason. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I'll be a dual. I'll be like, it'll be great. I'll be like the first dual like broadcaster slash player. It'll be great. It'll be like, 
It'll be fantastic. Even if you're in my DMs, I won't even tell them. Okay. So you, no one will ever know. Quiet, quiet. Anyways, exactly. Andrew, man, thanks for jumping on, man. You're happy on any. You're welcome on any time. It was really great to talk to you yeah. about, you know, what happened this week, obviously, and then also get to talk about your playing career and just the development of you and how and how you've been able to get to this point in your career. And good luck for 2020. Hopefully, you stay safe, my man. Obviously, Vegas, it's a big city, so a lot of people around your city. And I turn 18 yeah. in a few months, so maybe I'll be out of Vegas. We'll, <laughs> we'll get Virgil. We'll get Tommy together. Yeah, we'll get if you, you. Have, if you guys are ever out here. If you ever out here, let me know. Seriously. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll all get together. And we'll I'm a man of the people. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, uh, Andrew, thank you so up. much, man, for coming on. And uh, stay safe, my man. It was great talking to you today. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me. And you all stay safe as well. Thank Take you, care. Thanks, Andrew. All right. See bye. you, Andrew. Thanks. All righty, guys. Andrew Church, again, awesome to have him on. Mm-hmm. Really cool stuff. Get Vegas, man. Maybe we'll all pitch a trip next year, 2021. It'll be a great year next year. You know, don't have to worry about this whole virus going on. We'll all get back to normal, and we'll just go and gamble. I'll be 18, so I'll be old enough, and we'll just go take. A, I'll take a flight. Me and Tommy will go out, and uh, we'll, we'll we live near each other, so we'll we'll go out and we'll, we'll fly. We'll fly out, so it'll be good. So, anyways, guys, a little roulette, maybe a little blackjack. Yeah, exactly. Black. I honestly, dude, table games favorite thing ever i do not like slot machines slot machines are a waste of money anyways that's just a personal slots are a joke yeah slots are a joke you're right every every dime that i would i would spend on a slot if i were to do slots i would give to virgil if he rode his bike to vegas <laughs> we had a dime for every oh man hey don't don't tempt me i might um before we end the show want to give a big shout out to our sponsors officials depot and pick drafts and also a new sponsor boys we got a sponsor for this show germ germ buffer it's actually a friend of mine owns the company but it's a uh, cart holder thing to keep you from getting all the germs on your hands and stuff so you can keep clean and stuff so it's a really neat idea thanks to them for sponsoring these episodes you can say 15 percent off right now we have the link to their website and the link to the uh the what is it the discount code on there so you can use it and say 15 percent off on all their orders a really great company just started up recently so go give them some love go buy one of their germ buffers out of there to help you stay safe through all this coronavirus stuff and also go enter our giveaway virgil tommy you already saw my instagram post on it about doing the giveaway i'm giving away a jim morris autographed book that will be coming out on june 23rd called dream makers it is going to be a very very good book if you haven't listened to the audio interview with me and jim a few weeks ago go check it out he's an awesome guy really really cool guy to talk to and we could honestly be here for like days talking about baseball he has so many great stories and we would probably be on this show for like days as well because he has a lot of great stories to tell so again go check it out and go into the giveaway it ends tomorrow night and we'll be picking the winner on monday so guys that's it for this episode next episode i might be getting a twin guy on you might know him virgil it's ryan jeffers we might be getting on the show so jeffers first first positional player by the way and not only that i wonder i wonder whose birthday it is next sunday who we might be celebrating it on the show a bit got virgil's birthday yeah next i don't year. know we, i don't we'll, know i don't know we'll be we'll be we'll be we'll be celebrating it a bit. <laughs> just a tad just a tad nothing crazy but we'll 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 just wish you a happy birthday that day 
we'll, we'll send you gifts over. Yeah. But uh, you guys, Thanks, you guys have any final words before we head out tonight? What do you got, Tommy? I got, I got absolutely nothing. All my final words were drained on Andrew, which is a good thing. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> yeah, Andrew. Was yeah, I just to thank you. You know, stay safe through all this. What's going on? There's a lot going on in the world, yeah. and try to be kind. Yeah, man. Just try to be kind. Yeah, yeah. Especially every. It's crazy. It's been a crazy week, man. And I tell you what. Hopefully, this week we have a more peaceful week. Hopefully, everybody's back into a positive mood, a positive outlook on life. Guys, stay safe. It's great talking to you, Virgil. We'll see you guys next week. Tommy, yeah. we'll see you next week, my man. Have a good day, guys, and peace out. See you guys. See you guys. See ya.